Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. We are the ladies of Groundworks, Inc. I'm Carmen DeVito. And I'm Alice Marcus Krieg. And we design, install, and maintain gardens in and around New York City. We Dig Plants aims to bring the culture to horticulture. And today we have an amazing gardener and an old friend on our show, Lyndon Miller. Lyndon has created uh, the New York City that we know today. I'm going to give you full credit, Lyndon, for that. <laughs> Another lady of horticulture. <laughs> Another great lady of horticulture. She is a placemaker, transforming the urban environment to the greatness that our forefathers and urban planners only imagined for us. She combines plants and people in the most lovely and gracious manner. Welcome, Lyndon. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. Thank you for having me. <laughs> sure. Let me tell our listeners a bit about you, Lyndon. Um, you are a public garden designer here in New York City and the director of the Conservatory Garden in Central Park, which she rescued and restored beginning in 1982. Lyndon's work includes gardens for the Central Park Zoo, Bryant Park, the New York Botanical Garden, Madison Square Park, and Wagner Park in Battery Park City, as well as many smaller projects in the five boroughs and beyond, including waterfront gardens in Red Hook, Brooklyn, um, improvements to the Union Square Park and the 97th Street Park Avenue Mall. She also did a tribute park in Rockaway, Queens, and she um, has designed and enhanced campus landscapes at Princeton University, at Stony Brook University, and Columbia University, where she continues to work on new projects. Most recent projects include the Bayard Cutting Arboretum Garden Walk, the Chelsea Cove Entry Garden at Hudson River Park, the British Garden at Hanover Square, and the reinvigoration of the Heather Garden at Fort Tryon Park, which is amazing. So when we said that Lyndon has been responsible for making New York more livable, we do mean that literally. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Because those of us who lived in New York in the 70s, 70s and 80s, know what the parks were like. Yeah. yeah. So let's jump right into that. Tell us mm. about your first project, Lyndon, the Conservatory Garden, which is in the north part of Central Park. Yes, actually, it's at 105th Street and 5th Avenue. And I was a painter at the time and had studied a lot of horticulture. And, but, and knew uh, the person who was restoring all of Central Park beginning in 1980. And Betsy Rogers said to me, I want you to get up there and restore that place, and while you're at it, you can raise all the money and bring the people back. 
No small feet. <laughs> yeah, lovely friend, huh? Anyway, wasn't it wonderful of her because she gave me a whole new life. Um, I told her she was as crazy as a hoodow, but I went up and visited it. I live actually only six blocks away, and I fell in love with the place. So I have been there um, full-time for quite a number of years and now on and off. Um, it's a very formal garden, um, but in 1982, which when this took place, it was uh, unlike the rest of the park because it was formal, but it was like the rest of the park in that it was overgrown and deserted. Right. It, um, but the most important part about it is to remind people, unlike us who can remember, that <laughs> in the 70s and 80s, the city was very polarized. It was polarized socially, economically, and racially. And this was in the northern end of the park, so people did not want to come up there. They were scared to death. They said they wouldn't go above 79th Street without an armed escort. It was, it was bad stuff. And um, so this six-acre park was formal and lovely, but totally overgrown. And I just pushed up my sleeves and started in digging the plants out and giving them to community gardens. And the next thing I know, it's 30 years later, and there are a lot of other places that are have been influenced by it. Yeah, yeah. What, I think one of our favorite things at the Conservatory Garden is your use of two-gram? Yes, yeah, as a hedge. As a hedge. It's so lovely. Oh, no, that's that's not Tucrum. That's, oh, maybe it is. Germander, you're right. Tucrum. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, oh, it's, it's an odd name. It doesn't seem to go with that. Yeah, um, I had... Yes, um, and that's because there was Santolina in there, and it was gray and everything, but every time we added annuals around it, I think we were adding more and more good soil. So eventually the Santolina just petered out, and yeah. we took out all the soil and started over again, and the Tucrium's been there, oh, it must be 10, 12 years now. Well, it looks it looks amazing. But you were saying that, um, when we were talking earlier, that, that the garden that taught you the most was the 97th Street Garden, right? Well, the garden that taught me everything I know from then on was the Conservatory Garden. Uh-huh. But the one I've been, that taught me about the kinds of plants that can be put into places that are very, very low-maintenance, are, it was the 97th Street Park because it was, we had to redo it entirely after a city councilman gave us some money. And because I knew that the, I did it pro bono for the parks department, knowing that they wouldn't have any maintenance. They have so many maintenance problems anyway. Right. So therefore I had to use plants that after 30 years of gardening I knew would be, would be ground, uh, weed suppressing, evergreen if possible, interesting in four seasons. And all that, and that's what I've really came out of what I learned in the conservatory garden and all the other places. Right. Um, so let's talk for a, for a few minutes about some of those plants. Tell us what some of your favorites are. Well, one thing I want to say about 97th Street and all the other places to think about is that what I learned was you should have something interesting going on in four seasons. There's no reason why people have to look at a depressing, ugly, empty place. Right. And the other thing is that I have used mixed plantings ever since the conservatory garden, meaning that I've used shrubs, perennials, ground covers, and sometimes bulbs, less and less annuals because they cost a lot and they take a lot of maintenance. Uh-huh. So now talking about plants, which is what I most like to do, <laughs> um, because I'm, I'm just crazy about plants. 
Um, I think we were going to talk about what those low-maintenance, easy, good plants were. Yeah, yeah. for example, like hydrangea cursifolia, which Allison oh, well, and I use a I, lot. I am the Johnny Appleseed <laughs> of hydrangea cursifolia. I've tried to persuade people as I go around the country talking that it's an American plant discovered in Macon, Georgia, and it grows in, all, in 48 of the 50 states. And it's beautiful in four seasons, which is what makes it pay the rent. Otherwise, I wouldn't use it. Right. And you don't have to do anything to it once you plant no. it. No, and it'll, it'll grow in the sun uh-huh. or in pretty good shade. And it has most beautiful leaves, fabulous flowers, uh, great fall color, and beautiful bark. Right. So what else could you ask of it? Exactly. <laughs> and New Yorkers do want plants that, that pay the rent. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Space is well, very much at a premium, right? especially in the urban environment. So yeah. if things yeah. don't look good all the time... Um, and, you know, this is a city that builds <laughs> apartments for $1,000 a square foot. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And one of the things that, I, of course, I started out in a very, very high-maintenance garden. But it was the beauty of it, the changing of the seasons, the connection with nature that showed me the importance of plants in the urban um, environment. Now, 30 years later, I'm more interested not in creating gardens, because lots of people can do that and put lots of money into it in nonprofits. I'm interested in trying to do things for the less well-served parts of the city, which don't have decent parks, right? and need the plant knowledge that I think I can give it them. Right, because not everybody can afford the High Line. <laughs> no. <laughs> I should, not, not anybody, no. <laughs> no. Not even the Central Park Conservancy. Yeah. Well, you guys did just get that great big grant, so uh, yeah. from Paulson, was that his name? Yeah, I think yeah. that's what his name was. And, yeah. and interestingly and enlightenedly, if there's such a word, um, 50 uh, million of it will go to the endowment. Right, And right. then the rest of it to different projects. Which is very smart, I think, you yeah. know, to, to pad the coffers, so to speak. So but the parks that I'm trying to help <clears throat> right. uh, are very seldom ever get a nickel um, to use. And so when I can, I'd like to show people the importance of fixing the soil and using the right plants. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have an experience, Linda, with my own local park um, in my neighborhood. I live in Brooklyn, in South Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and it was recently beautifully renovated. Um, all the park equipment for the children was replaced with lead-free paint. <laughs> <laughs> what, which park? Um, it's called Sethlo Park. L-O- Sethlo Park. Yeah, and yeah. it was beautifully done, and I was so excited um, and it's, a, you know, to see, and, and there were some formal elements that were added. There was this beautiful sort of chain link kind of area that had a central lawn and then these beautiful plantings that were I, were clearly influenced by, you know, your work and the work at the, at the Conservancy in New York. So I said, wow, this is really great. I'm seeing the Parks Department actually implement, you know, some yeah. of these like different things. And I was really interested to see how it was going to be maintained and the maintenance. Okay, there's the key. Yeah. Well, I've been waiting for that shoe (laughs) to drop. Because the city will pay, will spend capital money, meaning borrowed money. It it, it doesn't come from the budget. Right. And they'll spend it to fix these places up. And then they don't give them maintenance, and they go back downhill again. Yeah. And it was so sad to see because I saw it when it was first planted, and it was so inspiring, mm. you know? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just... And then it was also the people. I mean, they didn't, you know, they didn't 
I don't think they got it, Lyndon. You know what I mean? I, they it was a, it's a heavily used park, and maybe maybe the design wasn't right for the population that uses it. It became this beautiful formal lawn became a soccer field, Lyndon. Yeah. Yeah. And so no amount Big of maintenance time. would save that. Well, lawn you know? lawn is lawn is um, I, you know in in urban environments lawn is the most maintenance. Heavy in any environment, elements, you know. You know what Michael Pollan, the writer, called yeah. it: nature under totalitarian <laughs> control. Yeah, that's when you get it good. Yeah, but of course, millions of feet, and it's a tr- uh, tremendous conflict for the people who restore Central Park. Yeah, how much can they let people go back in and and waste? millions of dollars that they've spent doing that it's right. a big problem right that's what i especially love about bryant park that's one of my favorites Lyndon, that you've worked yeah. on yeah because that gravel that stone dust that yeah. european stone dust yeah to me it to me it reminds me of europe much more there i don't oh, definitely you know i don't very french isn't it it's yeah. very, and we have it in madison square park too. yes yes you do yeah and that's basically the maintenance of that is adding more and raking it, right? I mean, That's all, yes. And but it's not used for recreation, of course, no. in Bryant Park. And the lawn, of course, is replaced about every 10 minutes. Every <laughs> time they have one of those events, right, right. They, the, the person who puts it in pays for it and then ha- is required to replace the lawn. Right, and that's built in to the service agreement. That's right. Right. That's right. The rental that's agreement. That's what I mean. Right. Would it ever, this, this may be, you know, I may be saying something completely awful, but um, would they ever consider putting an artificial turf, Lyndon, in well, Bryant Park? you know, as I get older, I'm beginning to think there's more to be said for that. Yeah. We have used some, some of it in Hudson River Park. I know they, the Parks Department put a lot of it into Cadman Plaza. Uh-huh. Um, I think where it's going to be recreational it really ought to be considered. I think not, so, too. But not when it's an oasis. Right. There, there are several no. factors going, you two, that I think are very interesting that have come up over the 30 years. I was interested in the oasis factor, I call it, and that's what the Conservatory Garden is and Bryant Park was meant to be and all that. But these days there's a very big growing uh, movement towards raising money through having very big, fat, flashy events. And the other is the preponderance of recreational needs and uses, which I'm afraid are sort of forcing out the oases that we, I think we all need. Right. I mean, yeah. there are plenty of them. What, um, Battery Park City, I did Wagner Park down there, and that's a lovely oasis. Right. But even then, I was told the other day that there's some talk about taking the lawn out there and making it, oh. I can't remember what they were going to do, for events. Uh, well, we have to take a break, Lyndon. Hang on to the line. We'll be right back. You're listening to We Dig Plants on the Heritage okay. Radio Network. I don't go in for understanding when you this song is called Josephine by The Hollows on the Heritage Radio Network dot O-R-G. And so soon I will relate you and tie your finger right on up to mine. Sweet Josephine, you live in my dream. Sweet right by my side. I bid you well forever, my bell. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Are you a locavore? Our Northeast Regional Forager for Whole Foods Market sure is. 
She spends her time traveling around the New York City metro area sourcing the best new or interesting artisanal and handcrafted local products for our purchasing teams at the local store level. Part of our commitment to our local suppliers includes assisting them with the process of getting their products sold at our stores. Whether it's suggesting packaging designs, pricing, or distribution methods, she's helping some of the area's best new products reach savvy shoppers at Whole Foods Market stores. Today, New York. Tomorrow, the world. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. Every Tuesday at 12 p.m., you can call food scientist Dave Arnold and ask any question you want. John from Chicago, you're on the air. Hey, hey, Dave. Who am I fooling? This is horrible stuff. Without glutamic acid, you die. It is a matter of taste, but there's a lot more fat in sausage than you think. Get ahead of the curve. Tune into Cooking Issues every Tuesday at 12 p.m. on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. So welcome back to We Dig Plants. Uh, Allison, <laughs> that was a very loud commercial. <laughs> yes. Uh, Alice and I, our show is much more subdued and ladylike. <laughs> and we have an excellent person with us today, um, Lyndon Miller, uh, talking about transforming the urban environment one park at a time. Yes. <laughs> Starting with one New York. One plant at a time. One plant at a time. So let's go back, Lyndon, a little bit to the plant list. Um, yes. Let's talk about Prunus. Otto Lucans. We yeah. love that plant. That's a great plant. Why do you love it? Oh, yes, the cherry laurel. I adore that plant. It's evergreen. Mm-hmm. The leaves are shiny. It does have nice sort of small white flowers in the spring, but it's really because it's so shiny and elegant. Mm-hmm. You can make it into hedges. You can make it into rounds. And it's very tough. can grow almost anywhere. It sure is. And it likes the shade, which is good for New York yes. City. Yeah, both the sun and the shade. Yeah. And when it's naturalistically planted, sort of unshaped, it, it has these like wonderful layers, you know, it kind yeah. of, when it gets to a mature state, yeah. we really like that too. Um, another one that's, that we love too is Nepeta Walker's Low. That's yeah. a pretty indestructible plant. I tell you that is the best thing, and I have that in 97th Street um, under some knockout roses, and it is just phenomenal. Beautiful blue flowers in the spring, and then gray foliage that completely covers the ground, so you never have to have worry about weeds. Yeah, and it blooms sporadically. It was still had some blue flowers on it in December, and I've been persuading, and we started a little bit of it over in Hudson River Park, and those those median strips, you know, that have mm-hmm. all those roses, but uh-huh. they're now totally overgrown with weeds yeah. because the state cut the maintenance funds. Oh, I noticed That's, that this year, Lyndon. It was horrible. Oh, it's it, so sad and was so glorious. Yeah. So I've been trying to persuade them to put thousands of plugs of Nepeta because it grows very fast. Right. Clear those things out of the weeds just once, plant the nepeta, and then not have to spend the money and the labor to come back and do it over and over again. Right. I did a small strip, and you know how it is even when people say, they say, oh, is that what you meant? Okay. So I'm hoping we're going to do a lot more this spring with that plant. And Walker's yeah. Low is a cultivar that, that yeah. is much more, it's more compact. Right. Because they, uh, there are some uh, varieties of Nepeta that really need to be cut a couple of times yeah, during the this, season. Absolutely. I never had to cut it ever in 97th Street. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that blue just glows. It's so gorgeous. Oh, it does. And if you put it with something, 
indestructible, uh-huh. like knockout roses. I call them the energizer bunnies of the rose world. They uh-huh. just never quit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, they really do bloom. When we tell our clients that it will bloom from June to December, they really don't believe us at first, Lyndon. Yeah. No, I know. It's amazing. It's just like those projects of mine. Every single one of them, people would say, you can't possibly do this. But then when you do, they see, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. And yeah. then they'll go along with you. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you one one thing. I, I need to digress from plants for a second. The garden that you did in Red Hook, Brooklyn, Lyndon yeah. is my husband and my, it's our date night place oh, to go. <laughs> that's nice. I love Red Hook. Yeah, we get we get the lobster roll from Fairway and then oh, we go you? sit in that garden. And it's like, you know, you're not in New York City when you're looking at the harbor among all those plants. It's just gorgeous. Well, that's due to Greg O'Connell, who's yeah. my favorite developer in the world, yeah. who owns all those beautiful Warehouses. 19th century yeah. pier buildings. Right. And he listened to me. He put in benches. Before I even put in plants, I put in benches. Uh-huh. Because they're a sign that you're welcome. We want you to stay and come and sit down. And yeah. Anyway, he, he let me do all of that. He paid for it. Uh-huh. And I just love it. I hope, hope, hope that it will be all right because of course it was under five foot i know water I'm, as long as was many were two or three others of my project yeah how was tribute garden in rockaway have you heard about that well i'm told that it's it's still there but it's pretty damaged because of course it was right on jamaica bay right but right. um i think that it may have happened so late in the year there was a lot of rain right afterwards and in many places where they like battery park city where they did have irrigation they could water it and we did that in the queen's garden at uh, hanover square in downtown we just watered a lot yeah so and then, i'm hoping things don't look so bad yeah they they look like winter and so maybe we'll it was see cut down ones come back yeah but the magnolias still have buds on them uh-huh good Good. Well, you've seen a lot of administration changes in <laughs> yes. New York City. So tell us what it's like to design and build gardens in public spaces in the largest city in America. Well, to tell you the truth, I've never, except when I do something pro bono for the Parks Department, because I'm devoted to them and I want to help them, I've never had to work for any public entity. I have worked for nonprofits. Okay. Um, and that's a, that's a difference. But right. You have to persuade them. They usually say to me, you have to raise the, all the money yourself for this project. They did that to me in Bryant Park. And yeah. Served. But once they get it, they realize that the exciting thing about working for these private nonprofits is that they do realize then that there are huge economic benefits. Uh-huh. And this basically, this is all about people, enjoyment for people, connection with nature. But those things, look at Bryant Park. You didn't even want to walk in the neighborhood, let alone in the park. Oh, it was where you went to buy drugs in the 80s. It was horrible. The first place I ever saw a cell phone was on a drug dealer in the late 80s around Bryant Park. And the rats. Now the the real estate values have just soared. In seven years, when we did a a study of it, it was up 225%. Think what it must be now. Uh So beautiful parks and gardens have huge benefits to people but i'm always hoping we can persuade real estate people also to invest in them because there is an economic benefit absolutely so those are the challenges really more the challenges are um to get people to believe in it and raise the money right and then 
of course, to redo the soil and bring in the plants, but that's the fun part, of course. <laughs> you and I know that. Yeah, yeah, right. But it's it's getting those business agencies to take responsibility. That's the really tough part. Is yeah, of course the they want to. Business improvement but districts. Bryant Park was one of the first in the country that was for a park. Uh huh. Um, they have made Midtown. <laughs> look a lot better. Yeah. But the problem with the poorer parts of the city, who are the people who, who really need the parks, need beautiful parks and plantings more than anybody, mm-hmm. uh, to cheer, cheer up their lives, improve the quality of them, they can't go away to fancy places in the summer. No. Those people, it's very hard to start conservancies or business improvement districts there. Right, it's right. It's really a question of trying to urge the Parks Department to put more resources into them, and that gets me to the most important thing that you we know, and that is maintenance. Mm-hmm. And you can't you can't design something that doesn't fit the site and that is much too delicate for what the site requires. And that's why I'm so interested in my 97th Street project because it's six years now, and except for me pulling occasional weed as I walk home and getting. A neighborhood group waters it, uh-huh. and otherwise, it's. I haven't changed a thing in six years. That's fantastic. That's an amazing story because, Linda and I, I, I met you. I think it was 1997 when I started at the Hort Society of New York with Tony Smith. Oh yes, of course. And I was doing those projects out at the Carnegie Branch Library. Oh yes, yes. And um, and I like you, I was you know working on these fabulous pieces of property that were owned by the public library systems. Yes. So you know there we were in East New York and in Bushwick where I am right now doing this radio show, <laughs> you know, fast forward. That was a different Bushwick. <laughs> that was a different Bushwick. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's tough, you know, and, and, and you know, the, the community businesses, it's, you know, you're dealing with like franchise, like box stores, you know, Dunkin' Donuts, like, you know, that's what's out in those neighborhoods and don't have a commitment. Exactly. Exactly. And they're, you know, they're, they're just there for the dollar and, and, they're and not did the libraries not have any funds to maintain them either? No, the Hort Society was raising um, our own money, and mm-hmm. then and then the libraries, um, and then we were doing community workshops yeah. to maintain them. I so, remember they were great projects. Yeah, yeah, and we, you know we did a lot so of what them. What happened to them? Um, well, well, we did eighteen of them, and then I left, and then nine eleven happened. Yeah. Um, well, nine eleven happened, and then I left. Um, uh-huh. But they, uh, they've they now raised some money, the libraries themselves, for maintenance. I think they oh, see good. the benefit. But, you know, that's a lot of capital on, on you know, libraries get cut. I that's know. the first thing, it's, right? Those are the, my feeling is so unjust. The two things that add to the quality of people's lives that do, they do not have to pay for mm-hmm. are parks and libraries, and they're so important equally. And the city just cuts the heck out of both of those places. Right. And so, of course, for the libraries to put their small amount of funds into maintaining those shows that they recognize that they have a, an have been a good thing for the libraries. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I, you know, and then I, I went to a library conference, like the big library national conference, and there I was kind of trumpeting my 
landscape mainnet libraries and all the librarians were just rolling their eyes at me you know <laughs> oh um, dear it, it was it was but but then there were several people that approached me kind of privately and they said you know i'd like to talk to you about this because yes. i think the public perception is we don't need a park we need books and we need staffing i know and you know landscape as you we know is the last hired and the first fired and people, I think, as I travel around the country speaking, that people are finally beginning to get it. Yeah. That, but it, what it takes is to show people what it looks like and what you can do with that mm-hmm. and the benefits and all that, and then finally they come around. You can talk till you're blue unless you can show them yeah. what you're talking about. Right. So now you're doing some projects in other cities, right? You're kind of Well, they're not really projects. What happens is that people call me in to jump start and get get the band playing right. about <laughs> the importance of fixing up and beautifying cities. But I did spend five four days last week in Richmond, Virginia, which is a wonderful city with great history and is really really finally coming around to seeing that the beautification of their city is going to bring them tour. Oh, that's the other thing. Beautiful Tourism, public spaces right. bring tourists. Central Park is by far the most visited place in 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 the, one of them in the world, but yeah. certainly here in New York. And so I have uh, really enjoyed that. And there are a lot of people getting very very revved up about it more than yeah. here, I think. But although Linda, this is a much better city, <laughs> it's a better city. <laughs> um, the other, the other thing though that your parks have done is it's it's now trickled from beyond the park into the redesign of streets and oh, yes. bike lanes yes. and yes. public plazas. DOT, yeah, I've been working on it for two years, and we're about to republish the street manual. Guess what? It's going to have a whole section on the landscape. Good. And the impo- and what plants to use for different kinds of places. No, it, it's bled out into the streets, no question. Yeah, and that's what's made New York, you know, so much more livable. And, and it's pedestrian-friendly now. Yes, and, yes. And there's like these, you know, these plazas with these tables, like right in the middle Isn't of the avenues. Wonderful? You know? And that brings me back to the thing. It's about people and right. giving people pleasure and making the quality of their lives better. And people... People are getting it. The yeah. OT is getting it. The Broadway Malls Association has yes. done that once, one, and also the BIDs, right. um, especially the Lincoln Square bid, has done wonderful things along Broadway. Right. And I love when they integrate art. I mean, once yeah. the garden, yeah. once the landscape and the gardens are looking great and inspiring and beautiful, then it brings in this sort of, you know, this temporary public art, which we hadn't seen in New York for a very long time, Lyndon. You yeah. know, no, and that brings me to some other thing it made me think of was that when I started 30 years ago, everybody said you couldn't do it, that if somebody, the people, they particularly pointed in the direction of East Harlem in those days, well, they'll trash it. It's no point doing anything nice. Right. And it's absolutely the opposite. Yeah. If you make it lovely, people respect it. Mm-hmm. They, and that's very key, because if that didn't happen, we'd be in trouble. Right. But every time we fix up something, we don't hear about crime anymore. Yeah. And, and people don't steal plants. And they sit there and smile and talk to each other. I love it. That's yeah. why I'm still doing it. Right, right. Well, it's the broken window effect. And you, oh, yeah. You know, you have certainly transformed New York, and I think we're all much, much better for it. So thank oh, you. I'm so glad. For everything you do and for all of your plant knowledge. 
Oh, that's, that's the best fun of all. Yeah. And I think, Linda, we're going to both be, at, uh, all three of us are going to be attending um, a trade show shortly. Um, in Boston. In Boston. You're going oh, to. Oh, I'm in- speaking at that. I'm working on my lecture right now. Great. Yes. Well, that's ho- nice. Will you come and speak to me? Oh, yes. Absolutely. We will find you for sure. Oh, wonderful. Okay. And are you are you going to be attending the Garden Writers Conference, too? That's the same no, weekend? No, because I'm not really considered a garden writer, I don't okay. think. Okay. Well, they but, would be lucky um, to have There are you. all kinds of wonderful things going on everywhere. And yeah. Okay. Well, we'll definitely hook up with you in Boston. Wonderful. Uh, thank you for being our guest Thanks today. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Thank you so much. It was, it was delightful talking to you. Oh, and let's mention your book. Oh, please. It's available yes. on Amazon. Um, the title, Linda? It's Parks, Plants, and People, yep. Beautifying the Urban Landscape. And it was published by Norton in 2009. And you definitely can get it from Amazon. And let's send it to the mayor of every single city. That's a good idea. Well, I try to do that when I go. <laughs> Even if cities say they can't pay me very much, I say, but I'll well, bring then you help a book. me sell my book and let's give a copy to the mayor. Yeah, exactly. And let's not forget about Linden's website, publicgardendesign.com. You can That's see right. many uh, examples oh, of her work. Oh, and I have a video on YouTube, very short, called Parks, Plants, and People that yes. people might enjoy watching. Great. Okay. It has great before pictures of of Central Park in case people, yes. people weren't living here at the time. Oh, people love the before pictures, and most of them just gasp. They can't believe or remember that it looked like that. And then they gasp at how beautiful it is now. <laughs> so. Well, that's the nice part. <laughs> well, thank you, Linda. Thanks, Linda. Thank you, too, so much. Have a good night. Bye-bye. And we'd like to thank Joe G. for uh, engineering our show. Thank you to Roberta's Pizza and Bushwick and to our sponsor. If you miss any part of the show, please note it is available via our archive on the website, heritageradionetwork.org and via podcast on iTunes. We did plans. Podcast. Podcast. I guess I'm hungry. (laughs) I mean pod. Podcast. Please leave comments and or join our Facebook page fan page Groundworks Inc. We Dig Plants and we're also on Twitter at We Dig Plants. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Thanks for listening. See you in the garden. Happy gardening. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.